The Christian life can only be lived by those who have received all they need through the merciful provision of Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is the bread of life. We live as we feast on Him and His truth. I'm glad you have joined the radio ministry of the Bread of Life today. This is a listener-supported program sponsored by the International Outreach Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our overseas ministries or our work in our community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 10, 5-7 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus Christ was speaking with God the Father just before he came into the world, and he spoke of the beautiful body that God had prepared for him so that he might fulfill God's design. You've been provided with the body for such a design as well. Jesus also spoke of a beautiful resolve to do the will of God. Jesus lived a beautiful life because he lived out in full obedience the beautiful will of God. And your life can be beautiful to the extent that you follow God's will as well. And finally, Jesus carried out a beautiful resolution. He solved in his obedience the problem of our sin by becoming the answer to fulfill God's justice and love for us. Comprehending Christ's beautiful life should be our supreme pursuit. And what a beautiful life he lived. Go, study the Gospels. Study his life. Read through them and consider the life of our Jesus and see for yourself how beautiful his life was. How beautiful in holy passions. How beautiful in patience. How beautiful at times in restraint. How beautiful at times in castigation of sin and evil. How beautiful in tenderness and gentleness and just the right moment and firmness and conviction the next. How beautiful in his conceptions of justice and mercy. Beautiful among the poor, beautiful among the rejected, beautifully authoritative among the religiously superior and proud. Read it. Study him. Look at his life. He is beautiful in his way and in his manner before the weak and the strong, before the young and the old, before the rich and the poor, before men and women. His life radiates a goodness that's powerful and potent and sways our souls still today with its dark and stunning beauty. And men who want to reject him can't seem to keep their eyes off him. He's beautiful. And do you know why he's beautiful in this way? He's beautiful because he lived out perfectly the will of God in determined obedience. That's why his life was so beautiful. Jesus lived a beautiful life because he lived a life completely surrendered to the will of God. Do you know what that means? The will of God is beautiful. God's commands for your life, God's desire for your obedience is a beautiful desire and a beautiful command because God has designed for you a beautiful life. And he wants you to live it. Jesus lived this wonderful, beautiful, attractive, compelling life because he lived in utter surrender to the will of God. It's the life God desires for you as well. God desires that your life might be a life expressing and emanating and giving out the beauty of God's own will and God's own design. 
You want to give glory to God? Surrender yourself completely and totally to His will. And your life becomes beautiful and lovely. Our Lord Jesus came and lived that life, that beautiful life. He lived it out through His body in complete surrender to the purpose of His Father. And our Lord Jesus has come now so that He might live that life out through those who put their faith in Him. A life that's good and a life that's beautiful and a life that's lived for God's glory. And Christ has lived it for us to see and now Christ has lived it for us to possess. He came not only to live this beautiful life, but to give this beautiful life and by faith to then live that life out through you and I as we trust in Him. You take that baby, you hold him for a second. That body that was prepared for Him. That will that He asserted to obey perfectly the will of God and the beauty of the life that developed out of that. And you understand that this life is yours to claim. His presence, His power, His purpose, His design. This life is yours to claim. That you can live a beautiful life as you submit and surrender yourself to Him. One last thing here. Remember the context. God is doing away with animal sacrifices. They're going to come to an end. They're going to find their fulfillment by reaching the point at which they resigned. They were simply that photocopy of the gift He was going to fulfill when He sent His Son. And think now of the beautiful resolution that the Lord Jesus was thinking of at this time. And by resolution, we basically mean a resolution is an action of solving a problem. And Jesus came to solve the greatest problem of all. Christ lived a beautiful life out of the beautiful body the Father had made for Him. He lived it out in perfect righteousness. And then, innocent and holy, He laid that life down on a cross as a payment for our sins He took what He did not deserve, our sins, so that He may give us what we do not deserve and cannot see without, and that is His righteousness and His goodness. And in one unimaginable day of suffering, according to the agreed plan of God, Jesus fulfilled the purpose of His coming, and He ended animal sacrifices. Sacrifices that said, you've sinned. Your sin is costly. A payment must be made that you can't make. He ended it all by making the payment in our place. And the punishment that was placed upon him brings us peace. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? It was set upon him, and if we repent and we put our faith in him, we're set free. What a resolution to our problem. The beautiful body of our Lord Jesus Christ the one who met and kept his beautiful resolve to fulfill all the will of God, offered up as a sacrifice for our sins. All celebrated before he came to earth for us. I don't know what the conclusion is exactly of all these things, but I can tell you this, that I'm oftentimes amazed at the Christology that people develop. Christology basically means the way that you study the life of Christ. How you go and you look at the Gospels and you figure out who Christ was and the filter that you run through all the things that Christ does in order for you to appreciate it or value it and see what it means for your life. And I'm amazed that there are so many persons who come before the person of Jesus Christ and their Christology is really all about themselves. 
the Christology of Jesus Christ is, let's find a manual to discover what kind of moral and ethical life we can live so we know who Jesus would have voted for if he had been living in our day and age. We'll find out what kind of minimalistic life he would live or what kind of car he would drive, you know, what position he'd have on the moral issues of the day so that we can feel better than other people and we can feel right about ourselves. Let's find a manual of performance so we can say, Jesus did all these things and we'll do these same things too. Jesus lived a beautiful life and will live a beautiful life too, following his example. And that somehow doesn't quite add up to what we've just spoke of here. Or Jesus lived his life in such a way that he went out and he conducted all kinds of miracles and he was able to do all kinds of great things. And if you'll just follow the same process he went through, you can do the same miracles as well. You can heal your own sick. Maybe you can raise your own dead. And that's what's drawn from this beautiful life. This triune God breaking into the world, taking on flesh, offering it up in perfect surrendered obedience to the Father in a way that we never could approach. And then presenting this beautiful body and this beautiful life as a sacrifice for our sins. And we say, what are some lessons I can learn from this? What's the moral of that story for my performance? I'm afraid... I'm afraid too often you're missing the point if you do that. You're wrapping yourself up into some kind of strange legalism, some kind of strange self-assorbed focus on your own performance and the outcomes of your own effort and your own labors and those things that you can wrap around yourself for your own self-glory. No, I think the only right response to what we've spoke about today, and the only proper Christology is to do what the shepherds did. Let's go and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. It's to do what the Magi did, the wise men did. They came and fell before him and worshipped him. And then they surrendered up to him their treasures. It's worship. It's a pursuit to see these things and know these things and know this one. It's to surrender up your life and your treasures to Him with your bodies to obediently worship Him, serve Him, live for Him, live by Him, live in Him, always submitting to Him, living in and through you. He's made it all possible. Worship. And then go tell others of the beauty, the beauty that you've seen in Him. Therefore, when He came to the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. These are the beautiful thoughts that were on the mind of our Savior just before He came for us. In light of that, what should our thoughts be towards Him? Let's bow our heads. Not of ourself, O Lord. Not eyes upon how deep we bow or how high we rise. Not eyes upon the extent at which our hands are folded in praise. Not eyes upon how busy are our feet in response. Not our eyes upon ourselves. It will not be sufficient in response to your beauty. Eyes upon you. Eyes upon you, worshiping you, 
glorifying you, being caught up in all that you are and all that you've done, surrendered before such an offering, crying for mercy, celebrating in your forgiveness, making known to all the beauty you've brought to us and brought us into. Always considering Jesus, love so amazing, so divine, demands our hearts, our souls, our all in worship. And we'll praise you in Jesus' precious and holy name. In Jesus, we praise you as your spirit pours out upon us. God, I would pray right now for young men and young women who are wrestling, wrestling with their own wills, wrestling with what they think would be good for them and valuable for them and some search for meaning or significance or beauty outside of your will and your purpose and your son. Oh God, how empty, how vacant, how lost, how diminished a dream they have. Satan is robbing them of the glory to be found in the face of Jesus Christ only and our surrendered obedience to Him. I pray for those trapped in these things that they might find release when they come before you and say, Not my will, but thine. And they bow before you completely. I ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. Our ministry is brought to you by the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. And your support to our radio program and that work is greatly appreciated. To learn more about that work, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.